0: Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner and my friend, I've been sitting here waiting for you. Have you been waiting for me? Today, we're gonna to return to James chapter one and today is going to be so rich. And I'm teaching you from my brand new series that I really want you to order called How to Determine What God Gives and Never gives. You need to be able to answer that question. And the subtitle says, Biblical guidelines to help you know what to receive and what to resist. If you know what to receive and what to resist, suddenly you'll have direction when you pray. You need to be able to determine what God gives and what God never gives. This is a foundational series that you need to hear and hear and hear and really get this teaching down deep inside you. And it comes with a study guide and you can order it right now by going online or by giving us a call. And right now we're also offering you my book called A Life Ablaze. What a great book for you to be reading right now. I know you want your life to be ablaze to the end of your life. So many people start with fire and then their fire goes out. That's not the will of God. God wants us to be a life ablaze to the end of our lives. When I see Jesus, I don't want to be apologetic. I want to say, Lord, I burned all the way to the end. And in this book, I cover the 10 various fuels you have to inject into your spiritual furnace for you to stay Burning for Jesus to the end of your life. And it's quite a book. Look at the size of it. It is just loaded and it's easy to read and it will help you stay on fire for the Lord. And when you become a partner with our ministry, immediately we will send you two books. A partner is anyone who financially gives into our ministry to help us take the teaching of the Bible to people all over the world who really are crying out, and are saying, God, please send me somebody that can bring me teaching that I can trust. That's our job. We bring the meat and potatoes of God's word right into people's lives, lay it on the table. All they have to do is pull up a chair, sit down and eat. And when you become a partner, you help us to feed them. That's why Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many. I know that's my job. And when you're a partner, You literally partner with us and God will richly reward you for everything you've done and for every gift you've ever given to make sure this living water can go to somebody else. And you can become a partner right now by going online or by giving us a call. And we'll send you Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness and my book called Life in the Combat Zone because we always give these two books to anyone who becomes a partner. And remember that if you need prayer, we're waiting For the phone to ring. So give us a call or send us an email. And the moment we hear from you, we're going to begin to really pray and intercede for God to move on your behalf. But I'll be back in just a moment.
1: Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the word of God. Here is Rick.
0: In today's program, we're going to see how to ask in faith. What does the Bible mean when it says we are to ask God in faith when we have a need of something? Well, today... I want you to reach for your Bible, and we're going to return to James chapter 1. We always use the Bible in this program. But we're going to begin today by reviewing verses 1 through 5. And in James 1, 1, the Bible says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. We covered that in Monday's program. If you miss that, you need to go back and see that program in the archive or order the whole series. Then, in verse two, but my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Verse three, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Verse four, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I know that you'd like to be perfect. And entire wanting nothing, and you can be. We covered that in previous programs. If you didn't see it, go back and look at the archives or order the series. Then in verse 5, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, so many times people say, oh, I just don't understand. I'm doing everything these verses say. These verses tell me to ask in faith. These verses tell me to endure. I've done all of that, and I'm still not receiving an answer from the Lord. Please tell me, why have I not received from God? Well, that's a good question. But the problem is, a pastor doesn't know all the answers. So in this verse, James gives the best pastoral advice that could ever be given. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. It's the equivalent of saying, I don't know. Don't ask me ask God. There's some reason why it's not working. And James says, if you'll ask of God, God will give you the answer. And this word of tells us God's one stipulation. It is the Greek word para. The word para means to be alongside. And James here is literally saying, if you will draw near to the Lord para, if you will come alongside of him, you will find that God is not the God of the clenched fist. But he's the God of the open hand. Some people see God as the one who says, look what I have. I have an answer. Beg. Oh, you're getting hotter. You're getting warmer. You're getting closer. You're almost to receive it. Oh, you almost got it. As though God is taunting us. James says, no, 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 no. If you'll come alongside of God, para, if you'll come right As close to him as you can, you will find he's not the God of the clenched fist. He's the God of the open hand. And that's why James goes on to say, let him ask of God that giveth. And the Greek literally says, let him ask of the giving God that is who we serve. He is the giving God. He just asks that you come alongside of him. And if you'll draw near to the Lord, the Lord will open his hand and he'll show you everything you need to know about why your faith doesn't seem to be working. And the verse goes on to say, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. You might say, well, I know that God would answer some people, but maybe not me. Well, what does this verse say? The verse says he gives to all men. To all in Greek is the word pasan. It means to all. It is an all-inclusive term with no exceptions, which means if you fulfill this one stipulation, draw near to God and ask in faith, God will even answer you. It is God's promise in this verse. In fact, this verse says he gives to all men liberally. The word liberally, the Greek word haplos. You know, religious thinking says maybe God will just give us little tidbits of information or tidbits of blessing. But this word liberally, the Greek word haplos, listen to what it means. Something given generously, abundantly, plentifully, profusely, bountifully, and open-handedly. Something that is ample, extravagant, lavish, liberal, plentiful, or rich. God will richly answer you. He will profusely answer you. But as his child, he's wanting you to draw near. And when you come alongside of God, it blesses God so much. He says, hey, you want to know something? I'll tell you what you want to know, and I'll even tell you more. He opens his hand, and God answers us liberally. And then James says, and upbraideth not. Sometimes people are afraid to draw near to the Lord because they're afraid the Lord will judge them or condemn them. But this word upbraideth describes one that does not nitpick. God is not a nitpicker. God is not looking to judge you or to condemn you. He wants to help you and he wants to bless you, but he needs you to come alongside of him. And the verse says, if you will do that, it shall be given. That's what the end of verse five says. And it is God's promise that if you meet this one stipulation to draw alongside of God, God's glory will shine on you. God will open his hand and God will show you everything that you need to know. It shall be given. Say amen. But wait, then in James one verses six through eight, James continues and he says, but, but, Let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But notice how verse 6 begins, let him ask in faith. The word but is the Greek word day. Here it is used as a marker to indicate something very, very important. It is the equivalent of saying however, If you're going to ask, here's the way you need to ask. However, it's like an exclamation mark to get our attention. Let him ask in faith. The word ask is so very important. It is the Greek word haiteo. The word haiteo means to make a request, to make a petition. It is so strong, it can even be translated to demand you could literally translate this verse, let him demand in faith. And it was a word often used to describe the relationship between a parent and a child. The child, because of his status as a child, has the right to ask the parent for information, and the parent is obligated to answer. And in fact, it means to ask with a full expectation of receiving what is firmly requested. And to show you how strong this word ask is, it is the same word used in the Gospels to describe that moment when Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and craved of him, that's what the King James Version says, the body of Jesus after the crucifixion. He didn't just go and mealy mouth say, could you possibly please give me the body? He craved it. He demanded it, give me the body of Jesus expecting that he would receive it and he received it. And now James says in the same way, if you're going to ask God for something, you have to ask in faith, you need to ask with a full expectation that you're going to receive. And he goes on to say in faith, the word in is the Greek word in, which means being rooted in asking from a position of make sure you're asking from a position of faith. And then James does something very unusual. Rather than give us a lesson in how faith behaves, he tells us how faith does not behave. And wow, what a powerful illustration it is. Look at it. But let him ask in faith, he says, nothing, wavering. That word wavering is a Greek word which describes habitual vacillation, one going back and forth. He's changing his mind all the time, constantly moving around. One day he prays one thing, and by the next day, he's already praying something else. And the next day, he says, Lord, I know that the day before yesterday, I prayed this. And yesterday, I prayed this. But I've thought about it. And now I'm going to pray this. Then the next day, he goes back to what he prayed on the first day. He's constantly vacillating back and forth, back and forth. That is not the behavior of faith. Faith stands still. Faith knows what it wants. Faith doesn't move. And that is why James says, ask in faith, nothing wavering, not vacillating, moving around on your request. He goes on to say, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. That word wave, the Greek word kludonai, describes one wave after another wave after another wave, a succession of rising and falling waves. I don't know if you've ever been to the ocean, but waves are pretty impressive. You watch them as they build and build and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally they peak and then they fall and they tumble back into the sea where they're all churned up again and mixed with the water and they become another wave. And once again, they rise and rise and rise, then they peak and then they fall And they get churned up in the water again, and they rise and rise over and over, rising and falling, rising and falling. And here we have a picture of a person who sounds like he really has impressive faith, but he doesn't last very long. His faith peaks, and then he changes his mind. And when he changes his mind, he falls back down into a maze of confusion where he rethinks what he's asking for. Is this really what I want? And then here he comes again. He's going to ask again, and it seems like he's really moving in faith, and then... He changes his mind and he tumbles back into a maze of confusion over and over and over. And James says when a person wavers in what he is asking for, he's like a wave of the sea, rising and falling, rising and falling. And my friend, if you've ever tried to catch a wave, you can't catch a wave. And likewise, it's very hard to hit a person who's rising and falling in their faith because they are a moving target. God wants to bless that person, but God can't even find that person because they're constantly on the move. And the verse goes on to say they're driven with the wind and tossed, driven with the wind means driven along by the push of the wind, agitated, stirred up by the movement of wind, constantly on the move in what they're asking, what they're believing. But faith stands still. Faith does not waver. Faith is not like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Hmm. The word tossed, the Greek word rapizo, means the constantly habitual rising and falling of the sea, the ever-changing positions of the waves in the sea and every time i read this i think about my great-grandmother faulkner my great-grandmother faulkner was actually a pretty wicked woman she kind of lived the life of a gypsy she was always on the move we couldn't find her she lived downtown tulsa in hotels And often when we would go to the hotel where we thought she was living, we couldn't find her because she had moved to another hotel. We never could find my grandmother Faulkner because she was constantly on the move. It was hard to locate her. And just before she died, do you know what she said? Please cremate me and take my ashes and throw me into the sea so that for the rest of eternity, I'll constantly be on the move. That's what this verse reminds me of my great-grandmother Faulkner that we could never find, we could never locate because she was always on the move. Well, when you come to James chapter 1, verse 8, James goes on and says, For let not that man, what kind of man? The man who in his faith is always moving, changes his mind. The man who doesn't stand still in what he is asking. He's constantly, habitually vacillating. Let not that man think And it's interesting that the word think means assume. Let not that man assume that he shall receive anything of the Lord. It's not that the Lord doesn't want to bless that person. The Lord just can't find that person. One day the Lord hears the person pray. And by the time the answer shows up, the person's already changed. He's already gone somewhere else in his faith. God hears his voice again. God moves to answer the man's prayer. And when the answer shows up, the man has changed his mind. He's moved again. This man is moving all the time. A moving target is very hard to hit. And that's why the verse says, let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Remember, faith stands still. And then James gives us an amazing illustration. He says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Double-minded is the Greek word di sukas. The word di means two. The word sukas is the word for a soul. A literal translation is a man with two souls. Well, there's no such thing as a man with two souls. Here really it is a person with two heads. Two heads. One head says, let's go this way. The other head says, let's go that way. The heads are arguing back and forth all the time in conflict with each other. Let me ask you, if you were in church and the back door opened and a man walked in who had two heads, and one head said, let's sit over there, and the other head said, no, 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 I want to sit over there, and you saw this man with two heads, you would say, that is a freak. That is a monstrosity. When a believer cannot stand in faith, When he's not singular in what he asks and he's vacillating back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, God says, ay, 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 it's like a two-headed man. And the Bible says that man cannot be blessed. A double-minded man is unstable. And the word unstable is the very Greek word from which we get the word for anarchy. When you are not stable, when you're singular in what you think and focused on what you're asking, it produces anarchy in your life because it results in habitual vacillation. And in fact, the verse goes on to say he's unstable in all of his ways. The Greek word ways is hodas, every road of life. It may begin with vacillation in one area, but eventually it will begin to seep into every road of life that you walk upon until your entire life becomes a picture of vacillation, and that produces destruction and anarchy in your life. That is how important it is that you know what you want and you stick with it when you ask. But then, when you get to verse 9, James says something very interesting Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Well, the word but means absolutely, categorically, emphatically, let the brother of low degree. It describes one that has lost everything, one that has been humbled. His self-importance has been reduced. He says, let him rejoice in that he is exalted. The word rejoice means to boast confidently about something. The word exalted describes a high station or an elevated position in life. And remember that James was writing to believers who have suffered a great loss. And now in verse 9, he says, well, if you've hit rock bottom, rejoice, because it means the only direction you can go is up. You're on the way up, rejoice. You've got a high station ahead of you. And then when he comes to verse 10, he says, but the rich... And that he's made low because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. And here James says, if you've attained everything and you don't know that you can go any higher, then you have come to the reality that life is very short and eventually it all passes away anyway. And in fact, when he says the flower of the grass of it shall pass away, the word flower is the Greek word anthos which describes a bright flower, a blossoming flower, or a blossoming life. It looks like it couldn't get any better, but at the end of life, it doesn't matter how much you've attained, it's all going to come and go anyway. That's what the words pass away mean. Then in verse 11, he says, For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower. Again, we have the word anthos, a blossoming flower, a beautiful life, Falleth. And guess what? The word falleth is the Greek word ekpipto. It pictures a flower that was blossoming and suddenly the petals become loosened and one by one the petals begin to fall off. And here he's describing the end of life. And my friends, if the rapture doesn't occur in our lifetime, eventually that's going to happen to all of us. But then he goes on and he says in verse 12, but blessed is the man that endureth temptation. The word blessed is the Greek word makarios, ay, ay, ay. The word makarios means blessed. It means supremely blessed. You could even translate it ridiculously blessed is the man that endureth temptation. The word endureth, again, is a form of the Greek word hupomene, which pictures one who defiantly sticks it out regardless of the pressures mounted against him. It is staying power, in their power, the attitude that holds out, holds on, outlasts, perseveres, hangs in there, never giving up and refusing to surrender to obstacles and turning down every opportunity to quit. It pictures one who's under a heavy load, but refuses to bend, break, or surrender. And the word temptations, hither the Greek word perasmos, which describes a calculated test that has come to cause you to fail, to stumble, or to be destroyed. And the Bible says, when a test comes to take you down, it is the work of the devil. And your job is to endure, to defiantly stick it out, to say, I'm going to endure. I'm not going to budge. I am not going to flinch. I'm going to maintain what God has promised to me. I will not surrender it. And this verse says, for when he is tried, the trying is not from the Lord. It's a trying that comes from the enemy. You see, you made a bold confession of faith and the devil's come to try you to see if you're really serious and it becomes your opportunity to authenticate that your faith is real. It's the equivalent of saying, devil, if you want to know what I'm made out of, you're going to find out. I'm a product that will not bend and will not break. I am serious. This is your opportunity to authenticate your faith, not move around all the time and run around every time you feel like you're under pressure, but to stay in one spot. And the verse says, that person shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. And that word crown is the word stethanos. It is the word for a victor's crown. And in the ancient games, a laurel wreath or crown was placed on the head of winning athletes And that laurel wreath represented a guarantee of lifelong provision because that athlete had endured the test and went all the way to the end. Not only did he receive, but he'd received a laurel wreath, Stephanos, a crown which guaranteed he would be provided for for the rest of his life. And that's why this person is ridiculously blessed, supremely blessed. He has found the key to receiving whatever he needs in life. It's not changing your mind and moving around all the time, but it's enduring, saying, this is my spot. This is what I'm asking God for. I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to blink or flinch. I'm going to stay right here until I receive what I have requested. And if you'll do that, the Bible says... You will be ridiculously blessed because God will find you. He will locate you in your faith and God will give you the very thing that you're believing for. I'll be back in just
1: a moment and I'm going to pray for you. Is it difficult for you to figure out what God gives and doesn't give? For example, do you wonder if God ever permits tragedy Has someone ever told you that God has allowed bad things to happen to you? And if bad things have happened to you, how can you resist them, overcome them, and get back on track again? All of these questions are answered in this five-part series, How to Determine What God Gives and Never Gives. In this series, Rick Brenner also teaches you how supernatural joy will empower you to make it through difficult circumstances, how endurance will help you hang in there until you receive what you need from God how to know if you're in doubt or if you are asking in faith, available in digital or physical format starting at just $10. This series will revolutionize your thinking about what God gives and never gives. In addition to this teaching series, you can also purchase the book, A Life Ablaze. In this powerful book, Rick lays out everything you need to live an intimate, uncompromising life and stay on fire with the Holy Spirit's power for years to come. Don't delay in ordering your copy today because it will help you throw the right fuels into your fire to get you burning again. Order your copy of A Life Ablaze today for only $18. Don't miss this special offer. This series, How to Determine What God Gives and Never Gives and the book, A Life Ablaze. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
0: Friends, this is Rick Renner. I want to give you a good report. It is amazing, but we just signed the papers to purchase our new building in Tulsa, a new headquarters for our ministry. We've been in the same location for years and years and years and we've outgrown it. And because so many people are reaching out to us for more teaching and for prayer and for ministry, we need more space so we can effectively minister to them. And at the same time, we're constructing our studio in Moscow, where we're going to be filming the most wonderful Bible teaching programs that touch people all over the world. But the only reason we're able to do all of this at one time is because of people like you that are members of our giving team. And because of your gifts, we're able to do this in Tulsa. We're able to do this in Moscow. And my friends, I want to remind you that it's not about the buildings No, 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 it's about people that need to be touched. We just need space so that we can minister to them. And I want to say thank you so much for being a part of the giving team and remaining a part of the giving team as we get the buildings ready and put up walls and get ready to produce programming and to minister to people all over the face of the planet. And if you're not a partner and a member of our giving team yet, please, become a part of our team today. We've covered so much material today, and I know that you cannot remember at all. So please order the whole series, which is called How to Determine What God Gives and Never Gives. And the subtitle says, Biblical Guidelines to Help You Know What to Receive and What to Resist. And it comes with a study guide. And we're also offering you right now my book, which is called A Life Ablaze, 10 Simple Keys to Living on Fire for God. You can order all of this material right now by going online or by giving us a call. And when you reach out to us, please let us know how to pray for you. And Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that you want us to decide what we need and to stay in a place of faith and not budge from it until we finally receive. You want each of us to be ridiculously blessed. And we're determined to stay in a place of faith until we receive your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But remember Ecclesiastes 8, 4, where the word of a king is, there's power.